Hello, and welcome to the EIC Scaling Club podcast, where we share interesting insights from leading European deep tech entrepreneurs, investors, and industry experts. You've come to the right place. Now sit back and enjoy the podcast. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, my name is Robin Wouters uh, from Tech.eu, uh, and I'm joined here today by Jean-François Morizur from K-Labs. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and we're going to have an interview in the context of the EIC Scaling Club. Uh, of course, we're building a curated community for deep tech scale-ups, uh, investors, and other stakeholders. Uh, and uh, K-Labs happens to be an EIC-funded deep tech company out of France, so that uh, fits the agenda quite well. Uh, Jean-François, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Thank you very much. Uh, I'm fine. Thank you. Very, thank you. It's uh, coming to Christmas, so it's a good time in the year. Um, I'm, yeah, very nice. And thank you for inviting us on this podcast. Very interesting. Uh, we always love to, to talk about deep tech. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Great. Yeah, and indeed, we're recording this just before Christmas. Uh, so before we hit the brakes uh, for a little while, uh, let's have a conversation about deep tech and specifically K-Labs. Uh, is it pronounced K-Labs? Yeah, we do say K-Labs, yeah. Great. And uh, what field are you in? Because I know you're into laser communication, photonics, uh, stuff that goes way over my head. So maybe if you can explain a little bit what that means. Uh, it's way over the way over everyone's head, basically, because it connects to satellites. So yeah, it's it's in the <laughs> sky. Um, basically, what we do is um, use lasers to connect satellite and optical ground stations. Um, usually, you do that with radio. Uh, most of the satellites they communicate with the ground uh, with radio waves. Um, but there is interest, there's a need to use lasers instead of radio because there's a, there are issues on spectrum, there are issues on data carrying capacity, there are issues on uh, some of the you know, defense, defense topics such as it's radio is jammable, uh, radio can be intercepted, radio can be detected. Um, so there, there are a, there's a drive uh, to move towards optical for optical communication. Uh, lately, uh, we've seen an uh, industrialization of satellite-to-satellite -satellite communication in lasers. Um, in the past, there were some, there were a lot of laser com satellite-to-satellite -satellite, um, with radio, but it, it took off with lasers for spectrum question and power questions. Um, and now you've got massive amount of uh, laser communication terminals already shipped um, in the sky. Um, for satellite to satellite communication. And at Kylabs, we work from the satellite to the ground because once you started communicating between satellites and have higher volume of data there, you really want to use it on the ground because this is where you need that data. And so there's this kind of last mile problem or last, you know, 100 miles problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and so we are, we are, we are, we are doing that. Um, it's not as mature. Um, as the satellite-to-satellite -satellite communication, and we are trying to make it as mature as that, as routine, as radio for satellite-to-ground, basically. Um, and why we are relevant in this is because the main problem of satellite-to-ground is the atmosphere. That's the main difference between satellite-to-satellite -satellite and satellite-to-ground, obviously. Um, and the atmosphere, the impact on the beam is that it changes the shape of the beam. And when it arrives on the ground, you need to deal with that strange shape 
that changes with atmospheric fluctuation, with wind, with temperature gradients in the atmosphere. So you've got this kind of scrambled beam. It's not that bad. You still have this kind of this light coming in, but it's strangely, uh, you know, deformed. And you need to reform it in order to detect it efficiently. And this is where Kylabs shines. We've been very good at uh, dealing with the shape of the light uh, for 10 years. This is why we were funded. But which is the thing that is quite fun is that we were funded originally for dealing with the shape of the light within an optical fiber. Uh, so we did world record for fiber capacity with KDDI. Uh, we started working a lot with Alcatel Lucent, with Nokia. So think, you know, like this kind of fiber connectivity on the ground. And it's still, there are a few product lines at KLab that still do that. But the main acceleration today is satellite to ground. So this kind of also story of always the same fundamental uh, capability at the, in the company, which is dealing with the shape of the light. But at the same time, you know, you're exploring the market and trying to find this product market fit. Um, that is, um, it's a very, I think, a very interesting game in deep tech. Wonderful. And I think, honestly, you've done an amazing job at explaining this uh, to a layman like me. I'm sure this is not your first time explaining it, but that uh, was done very well. So I understand now you, you, you. Know, this, the satellite beams communication down, it gets scrambled. You're the guys unscrambling it on the ground so it can be used, uh, you know, for, for many purposes, I assume. So that's, uh, that's quite clear. Um, thank you for that. But when the company was started, which is over a decade ago, I think, yeah. um, it was... Um, Particularly aimed at optical fibers, you said, right? Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. What was the problem that you were trying to solve at the time? So at the time, um, the idea was, there's still a problem actually with that, is that people were starting to put more and more fibers because they were seeing a limit on the fiber, on the data carrying capacity on, of optical fiber, of single mode optical fiber. It's still the case. It's just that this kind of macro problem is probably going to be take time to reach. Um, but yeah, we were, there was a, a point and there's still a point there where you cannot add more, um, you know, more ca data carrying capacity in an optical fiber. Um, an, an optical fiber, basically, it's like a one channel with a, we call it a core that carries a stream of light. You've got different wavelengths, different colors, and each of these carry a stream of information you can have multiple polarization. Each of those polarization within each wavelength <laughs> will, you know, carry additional, uh, another stream. So it's, it's multiplied, so it's a lot. And the idea was, okay, let's use different modes, different shape of the light within a larger core, a core that can carry multiple shapes. And this way we can have this kind of an, another multiplication, multiplier effect on top of all the rest. This is how we got this kind of... Uh, World records and fiber capacity um, with Japanese uh, telco KDDI is they 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 went with higher larger core and we supported them in you know doing something called a multiplexer which is I'm taking separate channels and I'm putting them on the different modes within the fiber different shape in the fiber and then the shape propagate and they are special we call them modes because they don't talk to each other they don't cross there's no crosstalk um, or there's limited crosstalk and then in the end you you demultiplex them you separate them in order to be able to detect them so that's kind of what we did there um, it was really an R&D product at this stage uh, long-term stuff 
And and today, ten years later, um, basically, it's still an ongoing research project, ongoing research topic. We've seen people working on it for specific use cases in fiber networks. I cannot uh, go specifically on details on this because there's, there's NDA and we're working with, mm. with partners on the topic, but it is not as mainstream maybe as what you know Alcatel and Nokia would, would have wanted uh, at that point in time. Um, there are, you know, alternatives to that is just piling up more and more fibers and maybe the time when you reach this kind of fiber capacity maximum has not been reached yet. So there's all these kind of questions um, that, that are coming. Um, we're also seeing today multi-core fibers coming in with different kind of uh, challenges. So it's very interesting uh, for us. It's still, um, um, yeah, still having a lot of fun on uh, the um, um, uh, data carrying, you know, ab ability of a fiber. How do you expand that? Um, yeah. No. Great. Well, there's still a lot of ground to cover in that segment as well, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so how big is uh, the K-Labs family at this point? So you started pretty small and R&D focused. Uh, what is yeah. the situation now? So now we've got 93, 94 people um, going, closing, you know, up to 100 soon. So it's going to be probably early next year. Um, the um, It was never a goal to actually be big. Uh, the idea is you scale as is needed by your activity. And this is kind of the way we do things. Um, we What we did was um, basically we, we've built a production team um, in Kylabs because we are hardware um, manufacturers. We make the, our equipment. We, we don't just outsource uh, this process, this part of the process. So we've got a production team. We've got a very strong tech team, uh, very high, probably, I would say the highest concentration of talent related to dealing with the shape of lasers. It's quite a specific <laughs> claim, so it's it's okay. But it's like a very, very uh, strong concentration of talent there. Um, we've got product team that basically decides the roadmap and deal with customer project, a little bit like product owner or you know project owner in a, a, agile systems, and then sales team and, uh, and, and marketing communication. Great. Um, yeah, it sounds gonna, like it's going to be a, a great start of the year for you with 100 people now on board. Um, in terms of business, though, because you mentioned the defense industry, uh, aerospace industry, I'm, I'm sure you work with. But what's your ideal target customers? Like, what are the segments that you usually uh, cater to? So, so, of course, it's different depending on, uh, you know, the, the topic. We always have this kind of dealing with the shape of the laser. That's our, you know, red thread, our guiding guiding light. But um, this dealing with the shape of the laser, it's, it's about, it's, that's a very fundamental topic. In reality, you know, in optical comm, what we do is we provide an optical ground station that includes this core functionality of dealing with the shape of the laser that's been deformed, but it's an optical ground station. And the client, they need an optical ground station. They don't need a, a solution to ch change the shape of the laser. Um, they need the full system to work. Um, and we take that responsibility. Um, at some point, we try to sell just the subsystem, just the part for dealing with the shape. And there was no real client for that. Um, the clients were waiting for a full system and somebody to take that responsibility. So we've, we've been enjoying uh, growth on this thing plus 180% every year for the last um, two years. And we are getting that again probably next year. 
Uh, so it's very fast growth and uh, we are talking millions in revenue. So it, it's not negligible at all. Um, that's quite fun. We're quite happy with that. Um, it's uh, very, very challenging um, because you have to, you know, basically deliver on time and, and, uh, and deliver the, the right ground station, which are quite big systems. Um, the clients we've got, um, some are public. For example, Swedish Space Corporation bought an optical ground station from us. Contech bought an optical ground station from us. These people are operators of ground station, a radio ground station, and they are putting their foot you know, forward to go optical. Um, we also have um, more confidential clients. So some of those are, they, they came out of the, <laughs> of, of the, in the public side, for example, the French uh, Department of Defense. Um, they purchased a ground station also, part of the Kironos project. This became public in a few, uh, few months ago. Um, and there are others basically that are also on the, this kind of less uh, public uh, side. Um, and in this case, it's, it's mainly because they have a vision of uh, an architecture of where optical ground becomes important. And um, we are seeing the first multi-optical ground station project uh, being awarded, and we are happy that we got some. Um, so this is something that, you know, we're coming from a demo system or like the one, one-off to a few. Um, and longer term, it's probably going to be more than a few. Um, and some of the customers we talk to, they say, yeah, it's coming and it's going to be, you know, tens or hundreds of optical ground stations. Yeah. Well, it sounds incredibly fascinating. It also sounds very, very specialist. Uh, do you have uh, any like direct competition globally? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, let's say that it's, it's, I agree with you, it's very specialized. And this is good because you know the competition. It, it, you know, they're the people that have, they have this kind of, um, um, to be at the level to compete, you need to, you need, you need to, pub, you have published, you know, papers. You know, it's, it's very difficult to build. It's very difficult uh, to stay under the radar if you're in this field. It's, right? it's, it's, I think, You've got interesting teams that you know come in and say, "Oh, we've got a fancy claim," uh, without anything proven, um, without any peer-reviewed papers, without any you know demos and stuff like that. Usually, you you need to take it with a very very strong grain of salt. Um, those kind of situation. Um, there's a lot of companies that are very good at doing PR, especially in the space sector, um, and you know it's in deep tech, so the claims. Um, you know, people can wiggle around that. It's not our style. It's not how to build the company from the beginning. Um, what we've been doing, and it's like a, it's a kind of a, a pride also, is that, yeah, we were, we published papers, peer-reviewed. We, we, we worked a lot with partners so that there's a cross-validation, basically, of what we do. The building trust with, with your clients is very important. It's also a way to iterate on your products because then you've got a very clear vision of, where it works, where it doesn't work, where it can be improved um, on, on the real, real use case. Yeah. One example I've got is um, for a line of product that deals still with the shape of the light, but for industrial lasers, so welding, cutting, 3D printing, we've got a, a partnership um, uh, drive, a partnership uh, project that is basically we work with partners to test, test, test. At some point, we said internally, should we have our own, you know, testing lab? And the idea was, no, we will take that investment and give that to our partners um, and support them in testing our product. 
And that's amazing. You create relationships everywhere and then you create data and data that is peer reviewed, yeah, that is done by somebody else. And that is, that is extremely strong when you go to see your clients, your customers, they can trust you. So to come back to your question, sorry, <laughs> of the side, no you know, <laughs> you asked for, um, you know, competition on the optical um, communication. Um, the ground part, the, there are some people um, uh, from Germany, from, um, uh, from the US, for example, where they, they are, they're trying to do this whole thing. So satellite to satellite communication, as well as satellite to ground, and, you know, try to develop all the terminals. What we found is that it's actually a very difficult uh, challenge because on top of the specific technical challenge of dealing with the atmosphere, you also have a cultural challenge because the engineers that do space are not the same ones that do the ground. You don't have the same problems. Um, on the grounds, you've got maintenance is possible, but you also have an environment that is far less um, uh, stable than space. Um, you've got dust, you've got, you know, clouds, you've got weather, you've got all that stuff. Um, so you have to deal with that. Um, so basically what I would say, you've got temperature, whatever. Um, so what I would say is that it's a different game, space and ground. Um, and what we found is that we, by being focused on the ground, um, we are able to go faster on developing uh, our product. Uh, so you've got some, yeah, some clients, so, some competitors that do this and others that were working from telescope, basically coming into that market by having this kind of um, capability to deal, to design and build telescope and then trying to expand it to a full telecom ground stations. And this is where we, we, we are buyers of telescope. We don't manufacture those. Um, so this, we have to find the right level of partnerships with, with our telescope manufacturers. So today, the way we work is we, we have got strong partnerships with a few telescope manufacturers. We are very good clients. Um, and this is how we, we, we provide good ground stations to our customers. Yeah, that all makes a ton of sense to me. Um, what, what also struck me is that you're building this company out of France, of course, but you're not doing it in Paris or Grenoble or Toulouse. You're building it out of Rennes. Uh, is there a particular reason for that? Is there a concentration of talent, um, industrial legacy, maybe university? Or what's the reason behind that? Actually, we, Kylabs started in Paris, uh, or before Kylabs, maybe for three months, so very short time. <laughs> um, we were a spin-out of Université Pierre et Marie Curie, which is located center downtown Paris. Thing is, you cannot scale, you cannot build hardware. We didn't think we could build hardware at scale from Paris, because the cost per square meter is too high. So the idea was saying, okay, this is not going to happen. How can we, you know, where we will be, where will we be able to scale? First was Paris suburbs. And then it's a little bit less attractive to people. And then we looked at smaller cities around Paris with a TGV, so high-speed train mm -hmm. going back and forth. And this was a very strong uh, factor. So we looked at um, basically Rennes, Nantes, Bordeaux, Saint-Étienne, Lille, Lyon. And then we had a, like, like any engineer, we've got, we had a big excellent spreadsheet <laughs> and we took plus and minuses and stuff. And then in the end, ran one um, for a combination of reasons. Um, and yeah, I think it was part of that process that just took us to say, okay, we're going to be in Ren. There is a combination of very good um, technical background from people, but not that much in optics, to be honest. 
but um, there's a lot of people doing telecom. There's a lot of, uh, um, of engineers basically in REN. Um, the second part is in REN, you've got a very, um, um, let's say, a, a very extremely good quality of life. Um, so our, got people, it's probably, you know, a few top three or top five cities in France on this, on this scale of size in terms of quality of life. So very attractive. Um, so it's easier to hire. Um, and it's this uh, high-speed train connection to Paris, one hour and 20 minutes. It's, it's very, um, this is very efficient. Yeah, um, I've been, I've so that's been kind on of the train already. So. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that, made, that makes a ton of sense to me. So that's, uh, but that's good to know. Um, and then uh, we both already highlighted that you were backed by the EIC. If I'm not mistaken, this was through the EIC accelerator back in the day. Uh, can you maybe walk us through that process of how you um, got to know the EIC and why you decided to uh, to go with them? So I think that the EIC accelerator at the beginning, there's a lot of people talk to you about it. Um, and, you know, originally we didn't really, we didn't really basically have the project that fit that, that, that EIC accelerator. Um, then when we started having the, the project that fit, we, we applied. So it was, um, the industrialization of our ground stations, um, optical ground stations. Um, we, we applied first, um, it didn't work, it didn't work out. Um, but then they, they, we got we got a, a reply that said, "Yeah, it's not that bad. Come again." Um, and then we did a, a second second process applying. And um, I remember, you know, doing the orals and all that stuff. That was uh, it was it was interesting. It was uh, intense. Um, good level of preparation. And in the end, we got it, and we were very happy that it is a little bit is an element of randomness. Let's be honest on this. Um, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of very, very good projects uh, that don't get selected. Um, and um, and so we were lucky on the second try. Um, maybe others, other people, it's the first try. Other people, it's going to be third try. Um, maybe now I think the model has changed. Uh, so uh, I, I've, I cannot judge um, on, on, the, on what is it now. What I know is that we are, it, it is a very strong support. Um, there's... Um, in our case, there is um, a subsidy and there is um, investment. And we were lucky that the investment basically came at the right time because we were doing our round um, in 2022. And you know, we, were, we did a 30 million round and there were 6 million that came from the EIB part of the accelerator. So it was like, uh, okay, we already have a valuation. We already have investors. You're coming to something much bigger. So you know, you cannot really change the terms. You're not driving around, you're coming along. And, um, and they, they said, yes, no problem. We can, you know, we're just going to, um, you know, sign on the dotted line and have the right, you know, the rights of observers. I, I was, you know, part of the, uh, of the overall uh, package. So that was good. It was really, really efficient. Uh, we had a very good year in 2022 uh, with the moment when they announced it. And then there was a, uh, sale also to uh, client SSC then. So it was like, yeah, very, um, very positive, just in very short time. So it was very, yeah, it was a very fun summer. Yeah. And that sounds like it's, it's the intention of the IC is to, you know, to bring in private investors and to help support along the way. Uh, but I was wondering, aside from the capital, uh, have you received any other help from the EIC? I don't know, introductions or, or business services or matchmaking, uh, whatever it was that was helpful uh, for you. Uh, we got, um, we got help 
um, I think the IC as an investor is is good in terms of introductions uh, to the ID, for example, to accelerate some discussion. Um, we also looked at uh, Cassini Accelerator, so we did that. Um, there were some, it was a mixed bag. Some, some things were extremely useful within Cassini Acceleration and some others were not that useful. So it's like, um, but uh, it was still uh, a positive, net positive. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, um, basically there's, um, um, there's a bunch of support that is provided by the IC. Some of it is not really targeted uh, for us because some, a lot of it is related to how you raise money. So, you know, how to support you to raise the money that, you know, comes in with the blended finance. Because at some point, this was a big problem. Uh, there was a subsidy going out and then they needed to do the investment. The investment needed uh, private investors. And if you couldn't find private investors, they tried to find you support you to do that. In our mm -hmm. case, we had the private investor before <laughs> we, right. we got the, the we, before we got the IC. So we we didn't really need that support for fundraising. Um, but yeah, I mean uh, that 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 that's uh, at the at the moment. To be honest, the uh, the the Crocus so the EIC project is really well managed uh, on the IC side. Um, the audits they do is really it's very they are very consistent. Um, I, I we really like that one. It's it's really good. I, I will okay. not mention the ones that don't work because there are others. <laughs> not necessarily, you know, it can be more French and stuff like that. But yeah, this one really works. It, it's good. Yeah. yeah, but things can always be improved. So it's good to get that feedback. Um, before this interview, were you aware of the EIC Scaling Club at all? Uh, because it's early days still, but did you hear about it? I actually, um, I, I wasn't. Uh, I, I received an invitation, uh, something like that, a few, a few days ago. Uh, we replied to that. We'll see what happens, but yeah, I mean, I, I before receiving the invitation, before this kind of um, um, uh, uh, um, uh, discussion together today, I mean, it was this was not in my radar. Um, I think I, my understanding is the EIC scaling club is something that is uh, relatively new. They did a pilot uh, session um, in in for the last twelve months, something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to to learn about it. Yeah, we kicked off in, in May only, so it's, it's a relatively young uh, and we're still onboarding companies and the first club members will only be announced in April next year. So oh, very okay. early days indeed. So, But oh, I'm happy to, to hear that you received an invitation and I hope I don't that know pans what, out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I don't know what, what, uh, how, what the process is, but you know, we'll go along on this. It's like um, usually um, we want to we wanna create those contacts also at the European level. Um, at Kylabs, we've got good contacts, reasonably good contact at the French level because we're a French company and we build that. Uh, we haven't built that much at the European level. It's a bit more difficult to access. Um, you know, it's in Brussels. You know, you've got less, a bit less proximity. Um, and then you also have, um, you know, understanding of how things work at the European level. Mm. Um, it's, um, this is something that I think needs to be taken into account. Um, it's another level of, of understanding. You've got French and now we need to learn the US. So it's like a, a multiple <laughs> multiple Another geographies level. to learn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, I hope uh, the invitation pans out and I'm sure we can deliver uh, some value with the EIC Scaling Club. But in any case, it was very interesting to get to know more about K-Labs and about your uh, technology and your plans. So Jean-Francois, thank you so much for taking the time, especially with so close to Christmas time. Uh, exactly. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I uh, wish you all the best to the company.
You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the EIC Scaling Club podcast. For more interesting insights on European deep tech, subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and our newsletter on eicscalingclub.eu. See you. Thank you.